I'm Joe Cottrell, dog behaviourist and owner of Dog Trouble, and welcome to my podcasts. It's been a while, people. I think it's actually been about two years, pre-COVID, I think. I've missed you. I've missed having our little chats. So I thought I'd do a podcast only because, well, not only because, but one of the main reasons was because my wife, Nikki, dragged me into the music studio to listen to one of her new songs that she's creating because she's very talented. And I said, why don't we do a podcast? (laughs) Didn't I? You did indeed. Yep. But the problem is it's, what, five o'clock at night and I'm at my best in the mornings, not in the evenings. So I'm getting tired. So we're going to have a crack at it anyway and uh, see if I can chat to you about something (laughs) that might be interesting. Something that might be interesting is how cold it is in here. It's not that cold. It's freezing. No, it's not. I know electricity prices have gone up, but this is ridiculous. You've got a toasty-sized heater in a room that is, well, huge. It's got a drum kit in and lots of technical stuff that I don't really know what it does. Well, I'm warm enough. Well, you've got more layers on than me. Maybe it's the menopause, I don't know. Could be. (laughs) The M word. We always have to talk about the M word every day. The M word. I'm not having it. Sorry. I'm not going through the menopause. I've decided. So what are you just going to say? I'm shutting the door to it. Yeah, I'm shutting the door to it. I'm going to go, away. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, away. Get away. That might work. Well, it it will work. It's mind over matter. If the menopause is anything like a dog, that would work. It's mind over matter. It's not happening. I know I'm going to be 50 this year, but I'm just closing the door on it. It's not happening, people. Anyway... I'm not going to talk to you about the menopause because I don't, well, I don't, I'd like to say I don't know anything about it, but I know lots about it because my wife reminds me about it every day of all the symptoms she's going through. <laughs> so actually, I probably could talk to you about menopause. Actually, you're probably an expert by now. I could be. Yeah. Forget it. Dog behaviourist. Well, look, look, see, menopause I'm warm, expert. I, yeah, but there are some advantages. I'm nice and warm. Well, I'm frozen. Okay. And that's because I've got a thyroid issue, but I do take thyroid medication for it. That's so true. maybe I need to check my bloods. Maybe you do. Maybe. Or maybe the fact is there's not enough heating in here. Let's just leave it at that. It's a possibility. Okay. <laughs> we ramble. <laughs> we digress, as usual. We do. Right, what am I going to talk to you about? I thought I would talk to you about uh, the rescue dogs that I bring over from Greece and the rescue dogs that I rehabilitate and rehome from this country because I get told all the time about how much I do in terms of their health, their nutrition, their well-being, and that it's quite unique. And actually, I thought, well, maybe some of you guys out there that have rescued dogs, either from abroad or in this country, it might be useful to you. It might be, yeah. I don't absolutely. know. It might be useful to you to understand what I look at and why I look at things. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to chat to you, really, about it whilst I'm laying on this chaise lounge. <laughs> what a lovely chaise lounge it is. But <laughs> when when Nikki had her studio built, I said, if you could do one thing for me, would you mind putting in a full length sofa in there so that I can come in there and just rest and just chill out and come and listen to some of your music whilst you're creating? Mm-hmm. That was the one deal, wasn't it? Well, it was, but it's not big enough to have a big sofa So what sofa did you get me? It. A kind of small <laughs> You got me the most uncomfortable chaise lounge which isn't really a chaise lounge because it's only about three foot long i'm five foot ten yeah 
And it's not comfortable to lean against. So I'm literally no. perched on it with some cushions behind because it's the only place to sit other than sitting on one of those swivel chairs. So I am perched on my chaise lounge <laughs> in front of the microphone, Are which I have to add is not very comfortable. Quite interesting, actually, with your, your feet hanging off I've got the my slippers there. on. I've got my slippers on. It's past five o'clock. Mm. My bedtime alarm will be going off at nine, so I'm just warning you <laughs> if we're any longer than a couple of hours. <laughs> okay, so we better get on to it then. Bedtime alarm. Yeah. Crack on. Crack on. Alrighty, so who have I got at the moment in terms of dogs? I have got four dogs, five dogs, something like that. So I went over to Greece in December and I brought some dogs over that needed my help. Um, and firstly, really, what makes me choose the dogs that I choose? People often ask me that. And really, you can't kind of put your finger on it, but it's a feeling I get. So when I meet a dog... I can feel their energy. I can obviously read their body language, but I can also just connect with their spirit. And when I meet a dog, quite often I can feel their spirit and their energy and just something just kind of connects me with them. Um, and a lot of the time I'm looking at the dogs that people generally don't want to adopt or dogs that have got forgotten about or dogs that have been in the shelter for years, not necessarily due to something they've done but usually because they're very frightened or insecure or they're older so I will when I go to the shelters in Greece I will look at those dogs that they're struggling with and see if I can help them so I'll go through some behavior tips and training and give them some advice on what they could do to help start to build their confidence but I also look at their possibility of being rehomed so Obviously, historically, I've collected dogs mm -hmm. to the point where I have quite a number of dogs. Mm -hmm. So I have to look, <laughs> to save my marriage, <laughs> I have to look at how rehomable that dog is. So can I rehabilitate that dog? And is that dog going to be easy to find a home for in the long term? So that's a really big factor for me. So I look at all of that. And sometimes, yes, I'm a human Sometimes I get drawn to a dog through my heart, you know, because I feel really sorry for that dog and I just want to help that dog. So sometimes I might just go, yeah, put them on as well because I actually just really like that dog and I want to help that dog. So that's what I do when I go out and I see dogs at the rescues. And if people inquire in this country if they want to rehome their dog, due to various circumstances, then that's really what I look at is how rehomable is that dog? How much rehabilitation is that dog going to require to get them to a point where they're more balanced and rehomable? So I look at all of that stuff. And then when I bring them over here, <clears throat> one of the first things I do, and this is really important if you're adopting a rescue dog, is I let the dog decompress. And what I mean by that is I pretty much don't do anything with that dog apart from give that dog water, food, let them out in a paddock, leave a long line on them, put them out with some other dogs. And I just let them decompress for about a week and just get used to everything so that they can just de-stress. And then what I start to do is look at their health. So I will weigh them first of all. It's not like humans. They don't mind being weighed. 
They don't get a complex about it. <laughs> Even though I write it on my whiteboard, ooh, 21.5, you've put on weight. <laughs> they don't worry about it. So I weigh them. Um, and Sweetie, who's a little dog that I bought over in December, was really struggling to put on weight over in the shelter. And she was very, very underweight. She actually weighed about nine kilos. And we wanted to work out why. So we had to weigh her and she actually weighed a little bit more when she came over than what she was when I saw her last. So she was about 10.1 kilos. So the first thing I did was weigh her and then I worked out how much food she needed to be on by feeding her 4 to 5% of her ideal body weight. So I worked out 4 to 5% of 14 kilos instead of 10 kilos because that's what I want her to get to. And then I started giving her that amount of food but over four meals during a day so that she didn't have to digest too much food in one go she could digest it in smaller meals so I started to give her raw food so raw food is the best nutrition you can give a dog you allow them to then strengthen their immune system their physical health they're going to do a lot better on raw food than they are on any processed food so she's actually on 180 grams four times a day. So she's on a hefty amount of food and she's quite a small dog. But in a week, she's gone from 10.1 kilos to 10.4 kilos. Now, that doesn't sound a lot, but actually that's perfect. That's the rate at which I want her to put on weight. I don't want her to put on too much too soon because that can put a strain on the body. But it's going in the right direction. So I'm really pleased with her. And I stuck her onto some raw beef to start with. And then I tried her with um, some lamb because they're the, the highest in protein, the highest in fat and some duck as well. So I stayed off of raw food like turkey and chicken, which is lower in fat. I wanted to feed her a slightly higher fat um, raw food. So that's what I started with with her. So I weighed her first and then. The next thing I'm going to look at is what's their overall health in terms of do an eye check, ears, feet. Quite often these rescue dogs have got really long nails. Uh, so I have to get either Becky in the grooming room to trim their nails or I just trim them. But often dogs that have been left on the streets for a long time and haven't had their nails trimmed, the quick, which is the cartilage bit inside the nail. So if you look at your dog's nails, you'll either see an, in on the inside, you'll see a black bit or a white bit like um, it's it's where the cartilage is and then the nail will be growing over the top of that so where the quick ends and the nail ends is the kind of bit that you can you can just snip off so we have to trim their nails but dogs that haven't had them trimmed before quite often that quick is really really long so you can't actually trim them too far back because otherwise you'll make them bleed so then you have to get this device which is a bit like a dremel which just files them down. So we check their nails, um, check them all over. And I will often, even though I don't worm and flea tick treat my dogs because I don't believe in it because it's putting too much pressure and toxins on the immune system and they, they don't need it every month or every three months. I do it once a year, sometimes twice a year with my pack. But with rescue dogs, because they've been in an environment where they've quite often been exposed to parasites, I will flea tick and worm them. So first of all, I'll give, give them a Milby worm tablet, which covers most of the worms. 
And then about a week or two weeks later, I will give them a spot-on treatment called Indectrid, which covers them for mites, fleas, and heartworm and lungworm. Um, and I will give them that about two weeks later. So I'm not giving them together. Otherwise, that puts a huge load on the immune system. And when a, a dog is already weak and they've traveled for four days and, you know, even though they decompress for a week, it puts a load on their immune system. So I will do that to cover any fleas, ticks, mites and worms. So that's the basics that I'll do. And if if I think that dog has got other medical issues going on. So for Sweetie, she was very, very underweight. We could have had a blood test done on her to check there was nothing going on. But actually, me and my vet, B, we decided that we would just feed her up and see if she started to put on weight without having to go through blood tests. So that's what we've done. We've started to put her on good quality food and we're going to monitor her weight. And actually, as I said, she started to put on some weight. But for other dogs that I have, so some dogs that I rescue from Greece, they have a disease called leishmania, which is a disease carried by sand flies in Europe. And it can affect the organs of the body. And some dogs that get found on the streets are often quite sick with it because they haven't been treated. And they can actually then get to a point where their kidneys are starting to be damaged and they can have kidney disease. So with some dogs that have either got leash or potentially might have leash, what we do is do a blood test on them. So when I go to my vets, I will ask them to do a hematology, biochemistry and a travel serology as well, which covers checking for tick-borne diseases and leash. So we'll get all those bloods done and check to see what's going on. So I've learned a lot about bloods and what they mean and a dog's body over the years because I've just been passionate about learning and I've got some really good vets at my practice at Windlesham Vets who help me learn and I ask lots of questions about what things mean. So I've learned a lot. So I can often work with my vets to interpret the results and make just make a game plan about what we're going to do. Um, often the dogs that come from Greece are anemic, some of them, because... Um, you know they've they've not they've not been looked after they've been on the streets and they're they're not in a great state so we'll go about setting about uh, a plan to get them get them healthier so what that does the the urine um poo test and blood test does is it will just check their overall health so I'll take a urine sample with me I'll take a poo sample with me because I'm going to check if they've got blood in their urine to rule out any urine infections and any kidney problems. And I'm also going to check their poo to rule out any bacterial infections like Giardia and Salmonella. So a lot of rescue dogs, whether they're in a shelter over here or a shelter abroad, a lot of dogs will carry Giardia in their gut. And Giardia is a bacterial infection which often lies dormant in a dog's gut and dogs can live with it but sometimes it gets to such a high level that actually it starts presenting symptoms of diarrhea blood in the stools often sickness um, eating very hungry but not putting on weight so I will check their urine their poo and their bloods so it's quite funny when I go to the vets really they always laugh when I walk in because they know they know me now so I turn up there with my urine sample and my poo sample and um, 
and get bloods done. Um, yeah, so we rule all that out first. I was actually there today with Ollie, one of my pack, because it's a year since he came off of his leash meds and he's doing really well. But trying to get a urine sample off of Ollie is an absolute nightmare, an absolute nightmare, because he knows when you're walking along with a little Tupperware, he knows when you're wanting to get a urine sample. So he won't cock his leg at all. And then if you are so lucky to happen to catch him cock his leg, as soon as you lower the Tupperware under him, he whips his leg down really quick, which then sends the Tupperware flying, usually chucking urine over me. And then I end up with no urine sample. It's a nightmare. Well, you do, but it's just on you. <laughs> it's just on me, yeah. <laughs> so I spent an hour today trying to get a urine sample from Ollie. And I wasn't successful, unfortunately. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do that at another point. So yeah, um, so that's what I do in terms of their health. Um, what else would you like to know? So what do I do then about their behaviour and um, you know their confidence? Really, I let them decompress for a week when they come over because I want them just to de-stress. And I put a long line on them and I just let them just get used to the daily routine of what's going on. I get them onto raw food. I do all those health checks. And then what we start to do is just in the paddock, just teach them how to walk on a lead because some of the dogs have never been on a lead before and they don't know how to respond to it. And they'll often go into a panic and do what I call shark rolls because they just aren't used to being walked on a lead and having that tension around their neck. So what, what we do is we just have a long line on them and we just pick up the end of the long line and just do some turning work and just walk and turn. And what you'll start to see is them start to follow. And Snow, one of the dogs that we had over in October, I think it was, and she was really, I mean, she still is really frightened, but she will follow you all the time. But if you turn towards her, she'll go into defense flight because she's a nervous dog. She's a fearful dog. But actually, if you walk the other way, she'll always be a couple of feet behind you. So she wants to trust you. She wants to follow, but she just hasn't got that confidence to come up to you and be touched. So what we do is start getting them used to just following on that long line and work out what lead we need to use on them, whether it's a slip lead or some dogs that pull, we might want to put them on a figure of eight over the nose or a halty over the nose. And then once we start getting them used to the lead as an individual, we'll then start to walk them with one or two dogs. So start to build a little pack and get them used to walking in a pack. And then once they're used to doing that, then we'll integrate them fully into our pack walks in the morning. So at 7.30, 8 o'clock, they'll go out with a pack of dogs and they'll walk for an hour. And then they'll come back and get some training work in the paddocks and some socialization. And we start to really just build that trust, that respect, and start to teach them the basics like sit, stay, place work, recall, um, not to bark. So a lot of Greek dogs will bark at the vehicles on the farm or bark at anything going past the fences. So we'll teach them how to not bark by correcting them when they bark and then just recalling them. And then really it's about starting to take them out off-site, off the farm, because they'll start to get fairly confident and comfortable being here. But then we need to get them bomb-proof outside of the farm so that they learn how to cope in life. 
So we'll often pop down the pub with them or... That's terrible, isn't it, to do? What, pop down the pub? Yeah. Actually, I think that's an amazing thing to do. <laughs> well, we pop over the garden centre <clears throat> as well and we'll often go up to Buckler's Forest, one of the dog walking places near to us, and we'll take them into town and just various places and we'll just get them used to life, um, particularly used to traffic, uh, children, some street dogs or rescue dogs. They're not necessarily aggressive towards children. They're just frightened of children because they haven't often been exposed to being around children or quite often they've been chased off by children. And kids are high energy, loud, fast moving. Um, everything you could think of putting pressure on a dog is in one child, really. So that's enough to um, push them into that defense flight or fight mode. So we we take them out and about and then we get them get them bomb proofed. And then what we do is we start to advertise them and look for a suitable home for them. So I will always invite people to come and meet me, meet the dog here. And what I'm really doing is interviewing the people um, rather than the people seeing if they like the dog. It's more about me seeing actually if the people are suitable for that dog. So if I've got a dog that's quite nervous and insecure and fearful, I'm looking for people that are lower energy, that are calm, that have lots of patience, lots of time, live in a fairly calm environment um, and people that are not going to present too much pressure to that dog and have got the time and the patience to continue that dog's rehabilitation. And then if I've got high energy dogs, dogs that are quite assertive or dogs with a high prey drive, I'm looking for people that are assertive themselves and will instill rules and boundaries and people that are active also. So we've rehomed a couple of dogs to people that spend their weekends walking mountains and hillsides and you've got to match the right dog to the right person. Otherwise it just fails. And that's really my biggest criticism of a lot of other organisations is they don't actually spend enough time looking at whether the dog and the owners are the right match in terms of the dog's energy, in terms of the dog's personality. So if people aren't assertive, if you match a really assertive dog to those people, they're going to really struggle to instill boundaries and leadership with that dog. It's going to be really tough and quite often it fails. So I'm really passionate about making sure that dog is matched to the right people and I will often, if it's not the right match, I will often explain to people and say, look, it's not a problem. You know, we'll find you the right dog, but just be patient. It's not about you're not good people, you're not right people. It's just that for this dog, you're not the right match. So we have to make sure that that happens. Otherwise, dogs bounce back, which is what happens in a lot of rescue organisations. Mm. Yeah, it does. And they bounce back and unfortunately just bounce from home to rescue all the time. So, question, what what kind of things do you look for when you're um, speaking about, you know, the home environment and that kind of stuff? Well, I'm, I mean, yes, it's relevant if people are at work and if people have a garden and is it secure, but I'm more interested in the energy of those people, the energy of that person. If that person is calm, confident, if they are able to walk their dog and if they're not, have have they got a dog walker set up? But 
if you're going to have a dog walk or walk your dog, be aware that your dog will start to build a relationship more with your dog walker than they will with you. Even though you might use a dog walker, you've got to make sure that you walk your dog as well because that's where a dog builds their relationship with you. That's where they build respect and trust with you and with other members of the family and or the pack if you've got other dogs. So it's really important that even though you might need a dog walker to help you walk your dog, you also walk them because that's the core of your relationship is when you're out walking them. So quite often I will look at, you know, the energy of the people but I also need to know, are those people at work all day? Are they working from home? Are they not? How long is the dog going to be left for? Have they got a secure garden? And the most important thing is, is are those people receptive to learning and listening to what I'm going to teach them? So if I meet people and straight away I can tell they're not listening to what I'm saying to them, they're not absorbing and respecting what I'm telling them about this dog, then... I'm not going to have time for those people to rehome a dog to mm -hmm. because it's key that you really listen and understand what I teach you and what I'm telling you about the dog so that you can continue their rehabilitation into your home. And when we rehome dogs, we always say that to potential owners in that we are here to support you for the dog's life. So if anything crops up, whether it's their health, whether it's their behaviour, whether you just need to board them here because you want to go away on holiday or whatever. We're here to support you. And we have a lot of dogs that we've rehomed over the years that we see quite frequently because owners will either come and pick up their raw food or they'll get them groomed here or they'll board them here or they come on a pack walks. So mm -hmm. it's it's really important that we have people that are receptive to learning. As it's well. also great to continue that relationship, isn't it, with them coming on the pack walks and uh, being around some of the other dogs that they, they were with in Greece. Yeah, well, it's you see the dog just develop. You see mm. that dog progress. And particularly the dogs that have been really fearful or, or potentially reactive, it's so lovely to see them become a more balanced dog and see the owners happy with their dogs mm -hmm. and fulfilled because actually they've worked damn hard as well yeah. to, to get them to that point. And rescue dogs are tough to rehabilitate sometimes. But that's only because they haven't usually, dogs from abroad haven't usually been in a house and dogs from here have often had maybe traumatic situations. So they've picked up learnt responses and that learnt response has become a habit. And what you've got to do is unpick that learnt behaviour and reteach them. And it takes time for a behaviour to be adopted and a, a learnt response to you know, a new learnt response to be adopted. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people are not aware of how much time it takes and the patience it takes and sometimes throw in the towel too early mm -hmm. um, or over superficial things like the dog's barking or the dog's peed on the floor or the dog's chewing or whatever. I mean, you know, that that's quite normal for a rescue dog off the streets to do that. So you have to understand... It takes time and that dog needs time to adapt to you. So you just got to be patient, really, mm -hmm. and, and give it time. So that's kind of what I do with the rescue dogs. Mm. 
Yeah. We've had an interesting journey, though, recently, haven't we? Because we had a little surprise with one of the dogs that came over. Yeah, one of the dogs um, that we have um, was pregnant and nobody knew. It's nobody's fault. Nobody knew. And um, so she had two puppies and they're Greek hounds. And you've probably seen them on our social media. So we've got Cookie and Poppy. And they're gorgeous. So that was quite... A traumatic experience. <laughs> Although she was amazing being a mum. She's you know, been incredible. Young dog. Mm. I was literally Googling the hell out of dogs giving birth because actually, yeah, I know a lot about dogs, but I've never had a dog that's given birth and been part of that from birth to two months old process. So it was a real learning curve for me. <laughs> And I slept on an airbed for a few nights, didn't I, down in you the did. dog room? You were very committed. I was committed, yes. I was also quite nervous, apprehensive. But it was funny because one, well, the morning she gave birth, bearing in mind she didn't really give off massive warning signs apart from doing a little bit of digging. But one morning she went behind the chair in the lounge and started, you know, making a bit of a nest and digging the carpet. And I was like, oi, sh out of here. Come on, in the dog room. And I literally sat down, opened my laptop and I looked round and she was kind of, you know, cleaning herself a little bit. And then I turned my laptop on and with that, I looked again and there was a puppy being born. So literally it was like drop and go. It was like a drive through. <laughs> it's like she'd gone from the lounge into the dog room and gone, right, let's give birth. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> and thank God it wasn't in the lounge. God. Oh, so, yeah. Who came out first? I can't remember. Cookie. Was it Cookie or Poppy? Yeah, Cookie came oh, out okay. first. Was it Cookie? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, Cookie okay. came out first and she was, I was worried about her because she was a bit still and a bit small. Oh, that's right. But yeah. Nell, Nell just did everything. Thank God. Because I watched it and I Googled about it and I wasn't looking forward to the whole, you know, placenta coming out and they eat the placenta and... Bleh. <laughs> And I was like, please now, just deal with it, will you? Yeah, that just was interesting. <laughs> so I watched her come out and then an hour later, Poppy came out and she came out guns blazing. She was big. She was like, you know, really active. And um, But Nell did it all. She was an amazing mum. She still is an amazing mum. Mm, she's incredible. And now seven weeks on, she's now started to teach them how to play, which is adorable to watch. Mm -hmm. And they're running around the garden and they love Uncle Bear. They do, of course. And they love just jumping up at him, trying to reach him all the time, don't they? Because he's quite tall. And, and, and great Aunt Maggie. Oh, great Aunt Maggie. Yeah. So great Aunt Maggie is um, is also a Greek hound. And she's obviously had litters and litters of puppies in her time because she's just come to life. It's hilarious. So in the mornings, it's like she takes over the night shift from she Nell. Does, yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the mornings, we'll come down into the dog room. And she's bouncing around, isn't she? And the puppies are with her and they're bouncing around and then I open the door and they all go out in the garden and she just wants to be there with them and just make sure they're okay. She's been amazing. It's actually brought, given her more confidence and brought her out a bit, I think. It has. Because she still has a little bit of, um, I don't know if it's fear or anxiety, but she's a little she's bit, a bit cautious, nervous. isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's much more confident than she used mm. to be. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But she's so maternal and loving and she's just... Beautiful, beautiful. It's yeah. brought so much joy to her, which is lovely. Mm. Yeah, and Cookie and Poppy, oh, they get so excited, don't they? <laughs> they just, they play bow and bark at her. Yeah. 
um, to get her to wake up. It's funny, so, actually. Some of the other dogs aren't quite as interested as Maggie. Thea, Thea hasn't got the time of She's day for She's not them. interested at all. Ruby's not. a bit grumpy. Yeah. But to be fair, that's how they were with Diggles and Chino, who we mm. had as puppies at five months last year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so we've only had puppies from five months, not really this young, but they are just delightful. And they're mopping up their raw food with lactal milk Mm -hmm. which is a little bit of a gruel they get four times a day and they love it and they're they're mopping that up but i have to oh we have to and we're mopping up as well we are mopping up yeah Yeah. we have to feed poppy and cookie separate now because poppy will eat and eat and eat Mm. and she's got a barrel of a belly she's quite um she's quite a feeder isn't she really yeah she is and cookie cookie's just away with the fairies cookie's like looking up into the sky and then she's like, oh, it's food time. Oh, I might eat some food. By which point Poppy's just scoffed the lot. Yeah. And just eating it all. And Poor Cookie. By the time Cookie realised. But it's hilarious. So that's been entertaining. And 6.30 we get up. Oh, get woken uh, earlier up. than that. Yeah. It's at it's the moment. Several five o'clocks, I think. Well, cause it's, because I'm trying to separate them a bit. So what I'm doing at night time because they're seven weeks, I'm I'm separating the pups off so that they don't feed off of Nell as much and we're, we're leaving Nell loose in the dog room and then the pups are separate. Mm-hmm. So I think at 5am they're hungry. And they start crying, yeah. So they start crying, so they wake us all up and um, mm-hmm. Doris starts barking. Yeah. Doris is like the alert. She's like the she alarm. Is. Well, no, actually, she normally barks after we've let them out to feed and then because they're normally down by her kennel, that's when she starts She doesn't barking. like it, does she? She doesn't know, so you have to let her out. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's like, get me away, get me away. So, yeah, that's fun. So it's been a houseful. Hmm, certainly It's has. been a houseful. We've had lots going on on the farm and we're. I've actually had a, a bit of a week off, but I never have time off, really. It's just I've had a week off of seeing clients. And it's been quite nice, actually, because I've been doing some projects on the farm and spending some time with my dogs and I've been doing health checks on my dogs. So I've got Ruby who I just wanted to check up because she was a little bit lame and she's got bad elbows. So we're giving her some some um, supplements to help her joints, some anti-inflammatory. So she's on, what have I got her on? I've got her on curcumin. I've got her on green lip muscle powder, which is amazing. Um, I've got her on something called uh Agivet, which is mm. made by a company called Anifort. Mm. And it's basically a bit like you move, but it's a supplement with glucosamine in to help dogs with osteoarthritis and elbow dysplasia. And we're putting her on some putting her on those supplements to see if it helps. And then I've got Ollie, obviously. Um he's got something going on with his urine because he's got a bit of blood in his urine, by the way. I didn't tell you that. Oh, no. So he might have a little infection, which is why some of the dogs will sniff his willy most of the time. And some dogs are mounting him mm. a little bit. So dogs will often do that if they sense a dog is weak, either due to their health or due to their demeanour. So some dogs that are very introvert will get humped a lot um, and almost dominated or bullied a little bit. So you have to watch that. But mm. sometimes it's not due to their personality. It's actually due to them having an imbalance in terms of their health. So whenever that happens with Ollie, I always just go and run him down the vets and get his urine checked. And so I've got to get another urine sample from him. Oh, good luck. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so I'll do that. And then um, 
Who else did I take to the vets? Anybody else? Sweetie? No. No, out of our pack. Oh. Um. I think that was all of them. Mm. Yeah, that was all of them. And then we've got some projects going on on the farm, haven't we? We've got... We have. The farm boys are taking down the blueberry tunnels next to the agility paddock. So this year we're going to create two bigger hiring paddocks at the top end of the field. And then we're going to build a car park because we're getting more and more people. Um, and then we're going to create a bigger farm animal area. Not so we can have more farm animals, you'll be pleased to know. I'm glad that you just said that. It's so that I can rotate the horse and donkey. Yeah, they need more space. Into different fields so we mm. can allow the grass to grow. Yes. So they've got grass all the time so we can mm -hmm. cut the cost of hay because hay is not cheap at the moment. And we're going to create a little cafe picnic area, aren't we, mm -hmm. over this year so that people can come and meet the farm animals and come and have some homemade cake, tea and coffee, can come and hire the paddocks, do a bit of agility yeah, and enjoy the farm, really. Or go for a nice long walk in Gorick Wood and come back and yeah. have a cup of tea and maybe a scone with some cream and jam. How about that? That would be lovely. You'd be sat there all day. I would. Absolutely. Do you need to you, try you, all that? I you wouldn't get anything it. done if there was cakes, well, certainly scones. <laughs> if we need to test it, I'm happy to be okay. the tester. All right. I'll bear that in mind. Okay. So we're also doing a... We're setting up a glamping field, aren't we? We are. Because we don't have enough to do. No, obviously At the moment. Not. Bring up two puppies and set up a glamping field. <laughs> so we're setting that up with our friends, Yelly and Amy. And we are trying to work out how... Well, we've worked out how we're going to get water down there, haven't we? So we've got... Mm -hmm. We've just got to get the farm boys to dig a trench and connect the water pipe from the nearest water point in the fields. Mm -hmm. So we can get water down there, but we can't get electricity down there. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely going to have to go solar. So if any of you out there know any amazing people that know about solar energy and want to come and give us some advice, that would be amazing. So we need to get some solar power down there. And then we're going to set up some bell tents for people to hire during the summer months. So from May, June time, they can come and stay and enjoy the farm. And yeah, it's going to be exciting. We're excited. Mm. And I think particularly those that have dogs that they can't usually take elsewhere. Because obviously we've got boarding as well. And if they want to go and head off somewhere for the day and they don't want to take their dog, they can leave their dog as well. But yeah. they can also then see their dog in the evening, which is quite nice, isn't it? Cause it's Absolutely. Then... I love going away with our dogs. Yeah. We don't do it enough. We don't, do we? We definitely need to get a motorhome. We do. <laughs> but I think it's going to be one of those Winnebago's yeah. for the amount of dogs we have. It might need to be, actually. <laughs> I don't think we'd get it round Cornwall and Devon, though. Do you think we need a soundproof room for my snoring? <laughs> Well, the good thing is, if it's that size, there'll be enough bedrooms that you can sleep at one end and I can sleep at the other. Mm, okay. That'd be perfect. All right, then. Or I could just sleep in the dog room. You could. It's fine. You I could just get you a little kennel. kennel. Yeah. For your size. As long as it's five foot ten and not the size of this chaise lounge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> but you're looking quite comfortable on that, I have to say. Yeah, I have to keep moving myself a little bit, mm. resetting myself. Okay. So, yeah, lots of things going on on the farm and it was nice to be able to 
do some of that project work in the mm. sunshine the other day and then that was amazing actually getting that um, horse today, box painted mm. yeah you guys painted the horse box mm. I, rem- I forgot about that yeah the horse box that's got a toilet and shower in. It's got two toilets and two showers. Cool. Yeah. That's going to go down and, the glamping floor. And solar on the top for... for um... Music. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst you're having a shower. No. <laughs> I think the it's for heat. <laughs> I think it's for the lights. Okay. The lights in there. Okay. Yeah. And then snow today. What's that about? I don't know, it's weird. I was quite enjoying the warm weather and then we've got loads of snow no, today. We were in T-shirts and then today it's yeah, we gone were. back to um, freezing. Well, it's been crazy busy, boarding. We've had loads of dogs in, which has been amazing. It seems like everybody's going away on holiday or long weekends at the moment because they haven't been able to. So we've had lots of dogs in and lots of new dogs in as well, which has been lovely, um, coming in for some trial mm, days. Mm. And and that's a good point actually because we've always got to make sure that those dog the new dogs that do come in, um, come in for a trial day. It's important, isn't it, for us to then? Well, only dogs that have got behaviour issues. Yeah. yeah. If they've got behaviour issues, they have to come in for a trial day because otherwise we don't know what they're like. Yeah. And we have true. to suss them out. So if ever you want a dog to board and they've got behaviour issues, we will be happy to book them in for a taste today, and we can meet them and suss them out mm. in view to you. Wanting to then book them in for boarding if you want to go on holiday. But yeah, it's been a busy old couple of weeks, really. And it's time for dinner now, I think. What oh. we got for dinner tonight, babe? Um, well, you, not me, you've got um, pork steak type things. <gasps> wow. With cheesy mash. Yes. Carrots. Yes. Bring <laughs> Bro- it on. Broccoli and um, applesauce and gravy. I'm a farm girl. You are. I like my meat and veg. You do, and I have to. I have to keep you kind of happy on that, don't I? You do because I get hangry, don't I? You do get hangry, yeah. If I don't eat regularly, I get hangry. People. Yeah, it's like me with the wine. If I don't drink wine regularly, <laughs> I get whiny. <laughs> you are whiny. What? What? No, I think that's me. That's my department. Yeah. Whiny. <laughs> Angry whiny. <laughs> it must be dinner time, isn't it? It must be. I think it is amazing okay. amazing well we're gonna sign off people and my wife's gonna go and cook me some dinner i'm gonna go and play with the puppies and let them out for wheeze because they're doing really well i'm they're really pleased amazing. with how much they're weeing and pooing out in the garden mm. they're doing amazing they're really actually quite progressed for their age Mm, they are they really are they're doing great I'm really pleased Nikki wants to keep both of them but we've got more than enough dogs and Nikki's actually the one that keeps saying to me no more dogs we've got enough dogs and yet when it comes to me saying right we've got to find homes for these puppies oh can we keep one no (laughs) oh but I've got really attached I know. It's because I know I've got a really big You've got soft a soft spot. spot. I have for Poppy. I know Can't you help have. it. Poppy's got really long, houndy ears. She's got amazing long ears. They're so cute. When I talk about spirit, I mean, they're both gorgeous. I they think are. if she runs quickly enough, she might actually fly. Take off. <laughs> Be like Dumbo. <laughs> yes. When I talk about spirit, Poppy has got a beautiful spirit. She's she's mm. like Nell. She is, yeah. Definitely. She is like Nell. For sure. But they're both adorable. Mm. And Cookie looks like now. Oh, now. Cookie is Cook- beautiful. We call her Cookie Monster because she's just literally 
in everything. Yeah. She's the first one to go and explore, mm-hmm. suss it out, and then... She's braver, definitely. Yeah, and then Poppy will just what, look... more confidence. Poppy will just look from afar. <laughs> and then when Cookie gives her the nod... <laughs> she's in there. She's in there. Yeah, <laughs> giving her a run for her money. So, super duper, we're going to go and have some dinner. And um, it was lovely doing a podcast again, actually. We need to mm. do one every month. We should do. There's lots to talk about. I'm going to put another reminder alarm on my phone. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> I'm going to put a podcast reminder alarm okay. on my phone and we're going to do one every month. So if you would like to let me know what topics you might want me to chat about or us to chat about, then um, let us know. Just click on social media and um, let us know what topics you want. And we can talk about everything and anything about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> about dogs, people. And, and other things. <laughs> about dogs. <laughs> Not everything and anything, just, just about dogs. <laughs> okay. That's if I know about it. Well, that's true. You don't know everything, yeah. do you? But you know quite a lot, so. I know quite a lot, babe. You do. It's annoying, isn't it's it? It's really bloody annoying at times, I have to say. <laughs> I mean... You just have to sort of like scrunch up your face and get on with it and go, yep, okay, she knows it, all right. <laughs> it's taken many years to get to perfection. Right, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't know that. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, people, and no dog is perfect. I say that all the time to people. None of my dogs are perfect. Nobody is perfect. That's true. They're not. Apart from me. In the world. We're going to leave it there. Lovely to speak to you and we will catch up soon. All right, peeps. Have a lovely evening. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.